Life, it could be said, is like the Beck discography. You never know what you're going to get. An accomplished musician with 13 studio albums, his style ranges from the acoustic singer-songwriter style of sea change to the experimental noise rock and folk influence that can sometimes make some of his deeper cuts a little bit inaccessible to the casual listener. As a certain bending robot noted on the Futurama episode in which Beck guest-starred, he truly is a, quote, musician-poet who transcends genres even as he reinvents them, end quote. Of all those albums, none received more critical acclaim than his 1996 masterpiece, which features one of his most well-known singles, Where It's At. This album continues to rank highly among fans and critics alike, even today, being voted in on a number of must-listen lists, including Q Magazine's Greatest Albums of All Time, where it ranked 51st, Rolling Stone's list of 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, ranking 306, and number 9 on that same magazine's list of the 100 Best Albums of the 1990s. Pick yourself up off the side of the road with your elevator bones and your whip-flash tones, because today we're talking about the 1996 Beck album, Odelay. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get-fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that? Welcome back to Any Album You Like, the podcast where I am repeatedly subjected to watching The Wizard of Oz with different albums. I'm Ben Mooney, and today on the podcast, we have Jen Freeman and Micah Shelton from I Never Saw That. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Hi. The album that both of you chose is Beck's album, Odelay, and uh, I'm curious as to why you chose this album. Okay, I'll, I'll field that because it was me that chose it. Um, I chose this album because it fits with the time period that our podcast is about. Our podcast covers the years 1994 to 1996. Beck, Odelay came out was it 96? Yeah. I should definitely know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's almost like killing two birds with one stone also, because I got to listen to it a couple times through watching The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and it's one that I wanted to listen to anyway. I did not choose it for any reason that makes sense with The Wizard of Oz <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, that's so, okay. Okay. <laughs> most most people have just been like, I don't know, it's an album that I really love. Yeah. So Yes. All right, perfect. Yeah. And what what were your expectations going into syncing up the Wizard of Oz to Odelay? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Micah. Um, I'm not sure that I had any. I was I listened to that album probably thousands of times. <laughs> I don't know if that's I don't think that's exaggerating. Okay. But like all Beck albums, I feel like I associate the hits or the tracks I really like with that album. And so every time I listen to it and really focus and listen to it, I hear new things. And I definitely did that while watching The Wizard of Oz because I was listening for things that I've never listened for before, trying to link it to the dialogue or to what was going on. Um, So I felt like I was way more aware of the 
instruments and the tone of every song and even listening to the words because like Jen and I mentioned, or Jen mentioned to me before, a lot of Beck's lyrics are just nonsense, random words. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I really realized while we were doing this. I was, and I took note a note on this that I was like, this was a strange choice because <laughs> Beck's lyrics are mostly just nonsense. The fun thing that I really enjoy about Beck's lyrics being so nonsensical yeah. is that I I go do karaoke a lot and I've done a couple of <laughs> nice. Beck songs. And the thing is, anytime you go to karaoke, you know, it's it's random people putting these these tracks together. So right. half the time, you know, the lyrics are off by a couple of words here or there. <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck to do when they start yeah. doing Beck. They're like, because there's no context for anything. Yeah. And so you're singing along and you're like, well, that's not the right words, but yeah. it makes just as much sense as the actual words. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a head trip. Yes, it um, is. And so is The Wizard of Oz. So in that yeah. way, you know, it was a brilliant choice. <laughs> and I do think Beck's albums are all so, how to describe it, atmospheric and layered there's a lot of samples, there's a lot of instrumentation, a lot of him sampling himself and weird stuff, like the random synthesizer songs he puts in at the end of songs or the other noise collages he does. Right. Like, I mean, I think that's one of the things I've never... Because uh, I, I I like Beck well enough. Um, I think the only album I'm really familiar with of his is uh, Guero. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fantastic album and I love it, but I'm not as familiar with this one. And so I kept thinking like, oh yeah, the song's about to end. And it's like, no, actually here's 45 (sighs) seconds of just static and noise. And I'm like, honestly, it kind of works though to this. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, Right. Those actually ended up being the parts that worked the best. Some of the time I thought. It was pretty good because like, I, I feel like, um, and I'm I'm starting to to come up with a lot of different theories on <laughs> what what the best albums are, like how to pick a good album mm. for The Wizard of Oz. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that Beck is doing, where it's just really sudden tonal shifts, yeah, like all throughout songs, because I, it's sort of just like a shotgun method. You're eventually <laughs> going to sort of just roll the dice correctly and get something good that's right that's that's a really good point Uh, well so i have questions for you i don't know am i allowed to ask questions oh yeah absolutely (laughs) okay because i want to know well first of all how many times have you done this now uh this is my ninth time in the past month okay (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) that's a shit ton of wizard of oz (laughs) yes it is yes oh you are seeing things that You've never seen before, I'm sure. Oh, the number of, oh, of yeah. things that I have noticed that I'm just like, yeah. I mean, even episode one, I was like, holy shit, the scarecrow has a gun. <laughs> At like <laughs> when they're going to the witch's castle, I really? had never realized that before. What? Oh, I yeah. He's, hold- he's holding time. a fucking revolver. What? What? And. The lion is holding what I thought originally was a hammer. Oh, yeah. And it's actually a spray thing of, uh, like, witch be gone or something oh. like that. Oh, because like, they got it from, they got them from the guards? Is no, that what? It, no, it's, it's when they're, it's when they're uh, going up to the, uh, it, like, they're in that haunted forest. 
before they get to the castle. Oh. So and he just yeah. had a revolver. He just, he just had a revolver. What the and fuck? <laughs> Why didn't they ever use it? Right? Well, like they get a, they get attacked by all these flying monkeys and you're just like, whatever, I guess <laughs> I don't need this gun. Shoot the fucking monkey. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot wow. that I've been noticing and it's been sort of on my brain a lot. I literally tweeted a, a gif of the uh <laughs> Tin Man dancing to Lin Manuel Miranda himself earlier today, and I'm like, I, I'm just that guy now. <laughs> You're always going to be the Wizard of Oz guy. Everywhere yeah, you I go, you'll myself. be able to associate something to the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> do we get to hear what the other albums have been, or are should we? Do we have to wait until these episodes actually come out? Um, I mean, I've I've been talking about them pretty pretty. Uh, um openly um so you know it's been kind of all over the map and um honestly i'm not really surprised at anything anymore (laughs) after all of that are there any that stand out though as like ones that worked really well or or really didn't surprisingly so far the uh um the first one I did, which was Bare Naked Ladies, was really good. Hmm. And then System of a Down was also really good. Hmm. All the ones that I've thought were going to be great turned out to not be so great. And the uh-huh. ones I wasn't expecting, I'm like, okay, I'm actually kind of into this. Yeah. So it's been That's a very cool. interesting project. Yeah. Well, I from the time we started, all I could think about was other albums I could have chosen. <laughs> And like, so now I'm like, oh, I kind of envy Ben a little bit, even though I imagine you're probably losing no your mind No man a bit. envies me. No, nobody. <laughs> I mean, but I, I do think it's great that I've sort of been planting this seed in everyone's head now where they're like, yeah, oh, I wonder what album would work really well to this. Because right. most people have been like, oh, yeah, maybe I could try it with just so like I'm I'm it's like the ring. You just sort of put it out there and then. <laughs> Get other people to do it, and then they'll get their friends to do mm-hmm. it. And then everybody dies. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you could even do it with other movies, I guess, too. I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different um, potential ideas, but I'm, I'm also, at this point, just like, God, if I ever have to watch The Wizard of Oz again, <laughs> which I've got, I've got one more... It's going to be something. <laughs> so let's get into Odelay. Mm-hmm. Like, like I kind of already mentioned, I think the biggest strength of this album was all of those very sudden tonal shifts, the just wide array of genres that Beck uses in a lot of his music. Like the second song on the album, um, uh, Hot Wax, mm-hmm. is, it's got a good like country kind of twang in the yes. background. And I'm like, this is perfect for like the yeah. farmhand scene. Yes. Um, uh, he literally says the line "driving my pig" while Dor- yes. Dorothy is heading to the pig pen. Yeah, that, that was, was great. awesome. And uh, you know, he's singing about Kansas flash dance ass pants. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was you, the same I, song. Yep. Yeah, that was during "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Oh, f- yeah. Awesome. Okay. Just as an aside, I've always kind of appreciated that about Beck, that he he pulls in a lot of that country influence, mm-hmm. where I feel like for a lot of people that wouldn't work as well. But he's just like, yeah, I'm going to throw in some like country twang, some harmonicas over noise rock, essentially. Yeah. 
Yeah. He so was, yeah, I feel like Sea Change was maybe the most twangy of his albums. Don't you think? Really? No. Oh, anyway, who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did notice the pig thing. I was really excited about that. Yes, we wrote that down. I also wrote down somewhere over the hot wax because of the somewhere over the rainbow mashup that was wow okay i just i also thought it was hilarious because it it did work sorta but then it while she was singing somewhere over the rainbow i I was just like this does not work at all yeah (laughs) right i mean i the that's been sort of a a constant problem is a lot of times when they're singing there's not Mm. a a lot great going on yes Um, Plus, that song is fucking long. <laughs> I mean, at one point I wrote down, Jesus, she's still singing. It's really long. Right? Yeah. That's another thing that I've really kind of noticed. Like, every time, um, specifically when um, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead comes up, I'm like, God, this is like half the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, was really looking forward to that Munchkin scene with all the songs they sing, but I didn't find anything that really matched up there. I had that starts, yeah, sort of at the end of mm-hmm. Novocaine. Uh huh. Because Novocaine starts up after Dorothy leaves her bedroom. And then I, I enjoyed a lot of the, you know, like random, uh, oh God, what did I even write? This, this was a, <laughs> this was a hard one to do because of all of the random words. I literally have a note in here that's like, a lot of random words here. Nothing fits, but staticky noises work pretty well. Yeah. Like, and I think that's kind of the, the main theme of this album is just like, yeah, there's random words. The sounds yep. work pretty good. There is a creepy like drum machine thing where like the munchkins start creeping out, which yes. I was kind yeah. of into. I wrote that too, that there was like a space agey kind of feeling. Yeah, and it was, it was just as they were coming out of the bushes. Yeah. And that was cool. There was Jackass starts right after that, the next song. Uh-huh. And he does say, I've been drifting along in the same stale shoes. Oh yeah. Yes. It doesn't quite match up, but it's right before, like a few minutes before she gets the ruby slippers. Yes. I loved because like that's such a great line for the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just in general. Um and he also he also sings on this album a lot about going down roads. Yes. Yeah. Which was pretty great. I actually I thought Jackass, and I can't think of how that actual how that song goes right now, but I thought there were several times, and this was one of them, when a song gave, like the tone of the song gave an added weight to the scene. Um, And there were times, like this was, when Jackass was playing, I thought it would have been a really cool montage if there were no words happening in the movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought it would have been kind of a perfect soundtrack to... A wordless scene right there. <laughs> like then. a silent film. Well, it just, I felt like it captured a mood that was darker yeah. than the mood I feel during that, like watching the movie by itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I really do get what you're saying, though, just in general, because uh, again, it's sort of that random Beck is just saying mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. and it's like trying to find any themes that really fit with what's going on or what the what any of the characters are saying is just kind of like okay i mean 
Yeah. I guess that fits, maybe. Thanks, Beck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was way more about mood for me. Yeah. I mean, I loved those sort of literal connections that happened. There was also a matchstick one. Yes. Like right after the scarecrow says he's scared of matches. What song yes. is it? And it said, oh, matchstick strike. He said right after that. And I was like, yay. Yeah. But which which song is that? I in? think I it's mean, in Sissy Neck. Yes, it's Sissy Neck. Number 10. 10th song. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be a, a thing in this episode where I'm just like, wait, which song was yeah. I don't. None of these lyrics make any sense. Yeah. No, I know. I don't remember either. I did love Derelict, though, which played during the tornado. Oh, right. There there were two back then that happened. Yeah, if we can go back a little bit. There was one thing that I thought was amazing. And we watched it with subtitles. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what Professor Marvel was actually doing. Like, was he singing? Oh, I don't know. But the subtitles say, like, do to do to do, do, do. Mm-hmm. and it's during Devil's haircut at the very beginning when it starts. Yeah, it lined up perfectly. I don't know how yeah, well it lines up awesome. with the actual sound, but <laughs> let's talk about the the tornado scene a bit. Yes, because I have so far only had one album that has not worked with the tornado scene. Really oh, interesting. It was Backstreet Boys. I was worried about that from <laughs> day one. <laughs> But yeah, the the tornado scene was actually pretty good because like, first of all, he's singing about blowback derelict wind, yes. which w- was perfect. It was so good. Yeah. Lay my soul in the foul of the air. And then a later line is I'm spinning around like a gambling wheel. Uh-huh. It was so perfect. And there's like drums that pick up when she goes inside. There's sort of just weird high-pitched noises as she's getting hit in the back of the head by this window that explodes. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this weird, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a <laughs> uh, sort of Indian or like Middle Eastern sort of Yeah, the uh, sitar. Instrument. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I just wrote that it sounded all trippy. And it's <laughs> so. right when she starts the dream sequence type stuff. Yeah. Right. Where she's laying down and there's multiple exposures and then she sees stuff flying by the window. And at one point, two of the farmhands are in a boat and Beck says, drop my anchor <laughs> right at that point. I thought derelict. I thought I thought that whole scene, that was my favorite part of this whole thing because not only did the lyrics of the song work really well but also the mood of that song is very dark and i loved it i loved that whole part and it started right when we first saw the tornado and it ended right when she opens the door to oz exactly right when she after she landed (laughs) it was that part was uncanny to me yeah yeah Yeah, that that was phenomenal and I, i think God, where was it? I had one. My other big one that I really liked was shit. Gotta find it. Uh, my my notes for this episode are just absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's okay. Like a Beck song, just uh-huh. random words. I had um, the song "High Five Rock the Cat Skills." Mm-hmm. Yeah, was also really great because it's right when they are meeting the Tin Man. Yes. And it's got this weird sort of tinny, staticky sort of voice that's mm-hmm. almost kind of like robotic and like just really low five kind of vocals. There's the lyric more dead than alive. And I'm like, well, yes. he has no heart. That <laughs> makes sense. Totally. Scarecrow, too. I mean, they're all kind of more dead mm-hmm. than alive in a way. 
uh, and then his I, I don't remember exactly what I enjoyed so much about it, but I, I wrote in all caps, this dance is weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's when the Tin Man is he's like standing out on the yellow brick road by himself showing off his dance moves. Yeah. And he and- does that awesome Michael Jackson move where he leans way forward. Yes. That's that's what I tweeted at, at Lin-Manuel Miranda oh, today. Yeah. So. Oh, awesome! <laughs> because he was talking about doing that, and I was immediately, of course, my you fucking brain team. went straight to the Wizard of Oz nice. mm-hmm, because... Because mm-hmm. you're that guy. Because I'm that guy, and I've watched it <laughs> nine times in the last month, so... <laughs> yeah, that part was really cool. That was, that was fun. So yeah, I mean, I, I think those were... Probably also, uh, you know, my two favorite moments, the tornado and then the Tin Man. Yeah. There was a part in Ramshackle, which is the next song after that, Mm -hmm. where Beck sings, We Will Go Nowhere We Know. And it's as the four of them, or I guess it must have been the three of them, Dorothy, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Man, start like skipping down the yellow brick road, which Yeah, they're arm in arm. And the end of that stanza is stuck together, one and all, and they're skipping away. Yeah. That was yeah. great. <laughs> that was cool. Man, there are all kinds of things that you guys are pointing out that I missed because uh, <laughs> just, again, just the the randomness of of what Beck is singing. And, mm-hmm. But I, I do like that sort of shotgun method of just, I'm going to say things until something works with The Wizard of Oz. Well, that's what's <laughs> funny. And um, I want to hear from you two more about this. Because uh, Micah was saying... I have a theory. Oh, you tell oh, it. What's okay. your theory? No, no. Well, just that there are so many tonal shifts in the movie. And there are like literal shifts in color. And things get really happy and sad. And there are intense scenes. I feel like any album will match up in certain ways. And lyrically, albums cover so much ground usually that will pick up on the things that line up. And even with Pink Floyd, like I don't think right. the stuff I've read other than Roger Waters, who who knows where his brain was at the time, but he never admitted that <laughs> right. it wasn't lined right. up. I mean, he flat out denied it. Well, yeah, like all the other members were like, no, it had nothing to do with that. But he was cagey at first. And then he's like, no. And But I think our brains just pick up on those coincidences. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. And you were saying, like, are we reaching? Like, every connection that we noticed, it was like, well, is that a thing? Or are we just making it a thing? Which made me wonder about. Well, I think it's interesting that every album you've listened to so far has worked well with the tornado scene, except yeah. the Backstreet Boys. So maybe every every musician signs a secret contract that like their third <laughs> song on the album or whatever will line up perfectly with the tornado scene of Wizard of Oz and Backstreet Boys just said, no, we're not doing it because they're such rebels. They're like, fuck you, <laughs> fuck the man. <laughs> I mean, so the the thing is, having, you know, having done this nine times now, mm. is that I feel like there are sort of just inherent ways that albums sort of come together. So like, you know, mm. by the time you get to that tornado scene, I, I feel like maybe that's just the point in the album where you sort of need something different. Right. And so it's not the hit. It's not the burner that you start with. Right. Or like in, in um, Toxicity with uh, System of a Down, mm-hmm. that is when the song Chop Suey is playing. 
and it's the first time you get sort of these you know slower pieces of of music out of them everything else is just super high high energy fast paced here you've got these long melodic sort of uh bits that worked really well with you know it's it's a frantic back and forth between really upbeat stuff and then this this more melodic section and so maybe there's just something to the pacing of albums that is just pretty inherent to mastering an album unless you're a boy band where everything is just (laughs) hey girl i love you so much let's make out or whatever (laughs) which is the title of my next single by the way (laughs) Yeah. yeah i like it i like it at the same time you know it is it's sort of human nature to look for those coincidences right yeah you know i mean in as much as there are a a strange number of coincidences that really do work out if you do uh the pink floyd album which i don't know if either of you have ever watched it i have i don't remember it well (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing right i've watched it before and there was nothing in it that particularly stood out to me where I'm like, oh, this is a life-changing experience (laughs) and I'm going to remember it for all of my days. Yeah, like, do you think it does fit better than these other albums that you've done for this show, though? Um, I mean, there are are definitely parts uh, Uh that just work really well. Um, You know, like, one of the examples they use a lot is that when she opens the door to Oz is right when the the cash register sounds uh-huh. start yeah. in money and it's also like back on the when it was released on vinyl that sudden shift to oz is literally when you flip the album over mm-hmm. to the the b side of the album oh, and so okay. little things like that where you know it's it's great coincidence but you know at, at the same time think of all the things that really don't work out when exactly. you're doing that and your brain just says okay well fine whatever that's not important but look she falls into the pig pen right when mm-hmm. uh he's singing about balancing or or whatever that one's supposed to be like mm-hmm. um so you know i mean i think it's just sort of human nature that we we find meaning in those coincidences yeah it's confirmation bias that we, exactly say, yeah. we notice the things that confirm what we want to believe or what we've already decided yeah. And exactly. weigh those more than the things that don't line up. But that said, I mean, I felt like the first half of this movie, I was noticing a lot of different things that made sense to me, whether it be mood or actual lyrics that made sense. But the n- end of the movie, I got nothing. I mean, I was like, I sort of even stopped searching at yeah. a certain point. <laughs> so I was like, this just doesn't fucking work at all. Which maybe, right. I don't know. No, I mean, that's that's been sort of the other universal truth of this. Every single time. It does not matter how good the first playthrough was. The second playthrough is always not as good. That's what it is. It's when you start it over and you've already heard it. Yeah. I just don't know if, it's, if it has something to do with how the second half of the movie is paced. I don't know uh-huh. if it's, you know, I, I mean... You know, the thing is, is like the whole end of the movie is the wizard just sort of talking yeah. at right, right. everybody. <laughs> I don't know what you could put to that to make it <laughs> remotely interesting. <laughs> it's true. It's really long and boring. Right. 
you know, so he because he talks to everybody. He's giving them gifts out of his his uh, weird wizard bag. He's, you know, setting up his balloon to take Dorothy back to Kansas. Right. And it's like, God, I don't fucking care. Like, yes. it takes forever. <laughs> like, we get it, dude. The horses are all weird colors. You're all high. <laughs> it's cool. So, like, I don't know what album you could put to make that interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the second playthrough is always not as good. Yeah. That is so. How long is Pink Floyd? Is it longer? That's what I was going to ask. Like, do you have to start it over? There are two different uh, schools of thought on that. (laughs) Is that one, you just play through the album the first time, um, which I think, and I I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think that's right about after the Tin Man, uh, after you meet him. Maybe, maybe right before you meet the, like, as you're meeting the, the Cowardly Lion. But... You know, you just you play it through once and then you stop because everything else is garbage. Or some people are like, you know, the second half's not as good, but just put it on on repeat and it still works. Hmm. Okay. So I think it's just sort of the tone of the movie that that Uh kind of falls apart for any soundtrack at that point. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about what you were saying about the pacing of albums and mastering an album and putting it together. I wonder if it lines up too with like the first act of a film and then the second act and then the like climax after that happens, it's kind of just, you know, it's Mm -hmm. slower and weird. There isn't as much exposition where you can fit in a scene that's really intense. And yeah, I I mean, I, so I wonder at that point, you know, if you, if you took dark side of the moon, for example, if you did that with, you know, die hard or something like, you know, (laughs) Is is it still, you're right, is it going to be like, okay, cool, well, you know, we get to money right when the first shots are fired or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like, that. that's a good question, especially when you consider, you know, differences in, in editing techniques over the years, mm-hmm. um, you know, different pacing in older movies compared to new ones. But yeah, that's sort of an interesting thought. Also, yeah, I, I think it's a new road for you to go down for this podcast. Yeah, there's no your next yeah, podcast. I, I may have just put it in my head that I need to watch Die Hard to uh, <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon. Just watch, have people suggest movies and listen to Dark Side of the Moon a oh, hundred yeah. times. That's the other thing you do is you set Dark Side of the Moon to different movies. Yeah. Ouch. That's a good idea. Yeah. Ben, do it. Oh, I, hmm. I'm, I I'm that... already losing my sanity. Yeah. So we'll see. That might make it a lot worse. You're going to get some obsessive fans who rewatch the movie and listen to the albums for every but episode see, that's of your podcast great because then i can outsource it i <sighs> don't have to do the hard part i just outsource it to everybody else and say tell me what the good ones are i'll do those good ones nice definitely see there we go and you also have a built-in support group when you also when you all develop mental health issues <laughs> you lose your mind you can open your own little uh center for uh, Self-inflicted yeah. uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz obsession. Um, what I want to know is who first discovered Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz? Yeah, do you out. know? So it was on some like message board somewhere in 1995. As much later than a lot of people really think. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it was like nobody really knows if people were doing this beforehand. But somebody posted about it online in 1995, and then some local 
uh, a newspaper columnist found it and then that sort of exploded out into bigger newspapers and then it, it just became a thing um but yeah it didn't actually Heard. get its start until 1995 i did not okay this is something that fits in your timeline for our podcast fit in our timeline <laughs> but that's not what i was gonna say i was gonna say i can't believe that it started with actual journalists like it was mm-hmm. in the newspaper <laughs> Yep. That seemed like just some stone dudes like spreading the word. That's how information used to get spread around the world, Jen. Newspapers. But you know what I mean. In a time before the internet. (laughs) At the birth of the internet. See, I always imagined it as some stoner hippie Mm -hmm. in the late 70s with, I don't know, like a a super rich guy in a mansion somewhere just hanging out and (laughs) watching The Wizard of Oz on his projector and huge movie screen and just listening to... Wait, listen is he wearing to... like a robe? Can we get a full picture of this guy? Oh, he's not wearing a shirt at all. Oh, nothing. It's just like sandals and cut off shorts. Uh-huh. Okay. Big beard, long hair. But like a chain, right? Like a gold chain? Or... Yeah. And he's got <laughs> okay. this bitch in hi-fi setup, <laughs> and he puts on Dark Side of the Moon and he's just high as shit. <laughs> Wait, and... is he by himself? Yeah. This poor guy. But then he realizes what's happening. <laughs> That this album and this movie are synced up and he just calls all his friends and they all come over and it becomes a thing. Hmm. I do feel like it's maybe my my theory would be <laughs> that like, so again, you know, 70s at some point. Again, I'm going to go with stoner, maybe not necessarily alone. Yeah. Maybe hanging out with some friends, but they're just they're just watching the Wizard of Oz and, uh, um, or no, like they're, maybe they're listening. So they're listening to Dark Side of the Moon <laughs> and then somebody throws the Wizard of Oz on. Maybe they're showing it on TV. I don't right. know if that was a thing they did in the 70s. I think that, I think it was. And then it, so it comes on and they're all high as fuck. <laughs> and then it's sort of this one sort of shared experience that they have. Yes. That then one day, like, you know, this stoner has kids oh, and then yes. he tells his kids and just oh, like, oh, yeah, like we, yeah. one time, one time in the 70s, we got high as fuck <laughs> and dark side of the moon totally synced up. And then his kid, like some nerdy kid in the 90s was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try that and then puts it on a message board. And then the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. I do like I do like that theory. My theory is LSD end of theory. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone involved in the Wizard of Oz production was using LSD. Okay, that's but believable. I do associate Pink Floyd with LSD, so that's part of the reason for my I mean theory. that's pretty legit. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yellow Brick Road poppies flying monkeys i think it works both ways well true that is a good point (laughs) (laughs) there was one other cool coincidence that i really liked is it devil's haircut with the monkey's haircut no that's not it okay go ahead (laughs) that's mostly all i have to say about that but there was i never noticed the monkey's haircuts before and they're like these crazy curled kind of mohawks and devil's Devil's haircut haircut was playing during that scene and I got real excited. <laughs> no, mine is right when they get to Oz at the beginning, or not the beginning okay. of the movie, but the first time they get there and they're knocking on the door 
and the wizard, not the wizard, the actor that plays the wizard and every other character in Oz, apparently. <laughs> the wizard. Right? He sticks his head out and they talk for a little bit and Hot Wax is playing then. And the second time he sticks his head out and they're talking, the sample plays that is, who are you? Oh, yeah. I'm the Enchanted oh. Wizard of Rhythm. Oh, yeah. I yeah, about that, that was pretty fucking good, actually. That yeah. was really fucking cool. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was the last one I had. The only the only other like connection one I had, and this was when we we're getting toward the end of the movie, and I was I just started writing down stupid shit because I was like <laughs> annoyed with how much this didn't work. Uh, was so Novocaine was playing, and it was mm-hmm. when the uh, Cowardly Lion jumped out the window. And I was like, this song doesn't work, but I bet that lion wants some Novocaine right now. (laughs) That's where I got to, guys. That's the point that I got to. (laughs) Yeah, it got real stupid. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, this whole... This whole idea is is not exactly a smart idea. So, you know. I don't know. I'm, I think it's kind of brilliant, actually. Yeah, I think it's I'm not going to sit here and be like, how dare you bring such stupid shit into my amazing and <laughs> awesome, perfect podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of scared that we're going to listen to the other episodes and there's going to be like deep analysis and <laughs> philosophical shit. And then we're going to be like, idiots. <laughs> no it's i mean i honestly i haven't listened back to any of them yet um <laughs> and uh because I'm, I'm gonna wait until i have all of them recorded before i actually edit That's but i smart. will say that at the beginning it was it was a very in-depth like oh and then this song starts and i got these notes and oh the, yeah and then it it now it's just like yeah i don't know what the fuck do you want to talk about i've seen the wizard of oz nine <laughs> times <laughs> And I did have notes on all that stuff, but it's like, I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to talk about it. I took, well, but it was totally like the first half of the movie, you know, I wrote down every, everything. every minute yeah. or two. I was like, Ooh, that kind of worked with mm-hmm. that transition, whatever. And then, you know, I was writing bad jokes at the end. So <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I have a note during the first, first playthrough of ramshackle Mm -hmm. like toward the end i wrote literally zoning out this part is dumb (laughs) so my notes were not exactly cutting edge and (laughs) it's not hemingway over here so (laughs) i love that i love it but then every once in a while you probably do have a moment where you're like holy shit like my mind is blown right now yeah the the problem too is that like the longer this goes on, the less interested I am in taking notes. Yeah. So all the stuff that people are like, oh yeah, that was so great. I'm like, oh yeah, I noticed that too, and then I forgot about it because right. my mind is just melting at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a note here that says, "What song was it? Oh, it was Devil's Haircut." Is it the monkey thing again, Jen? No, we talked I about said that, that part. <laughs> This one is that Beck is singing something's wrong because my mind is fading and it's just as they're arriving in the field of poppies. So if if those lyrics would have been like a minute later, it would have been perfect. But fuck, Beck fucked up again. It was. yeah. Come on, Beck. Get with the fucking program. Beck. Everybody's on board except the Backstreet Boys and you, Beck. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to say, Micah? Oh, I don't remember. Oh. Uh, no, I was going to ask Ben about 
other things he's noticed in the film after watching it that many times. Mm. Like, I've heard all those urban legends about the munchkin that hung himself in the background that you can see. and What? Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. I've never seen it, um, but supposedly the, the story is that one of the munchkins literally killed himself on the set, and then either they didn't notice or didn't yeah. care and just filmed and it made its way into the final cut. Um, oh, my God. I don't know how true that is. And honestly, if it's true, I'm sure any addition that you can get nowadays, like they've, you know, they're literally editing guns out in E.T. to make them walkie talkies like they're they're gonna have edited edited that out. But I don't know if that's actually a true story or not. Yeah, I don't think it is pretty great. It seems like it would be hard to not notice a hanging person in the background of the film as you're filming it on a little set on the soundstage oh man Um, that would make the movie so much darker though if that was (laughs) in the background but supposedly people have people say they've seen it but it's one of those things on the internet that everyone's like yeah just watch it it's at this time and it's right here like post a fucking picture we have the technology (laughs) screenshots are easy Yeah. yeah It's like how there are dicks in all Disney movies or something. Well, that's true. Although, although, have you seen the original cover of The Little Mermaid? Yes. There are definitely dicks on that castle. Mm-hmm. Really? Multiple okay, dicks. I need to look for that. Yeah, but you got to get the original cover because okay. they updated it when they re-released it. Um, we had the original VHS when I was growing up. And uh, yeah, there are dicks on that castle. <laughs> like intentional dicks? Oh, yeah. Okay, clearly it's like someone veiny. did it. If they, if they are not intentional dicks, the artist has never seen a dick before in their <laughs> life. Because that doing that and just being like, yeah, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, but a whole team of people probably had to approve that. That's what I always wonder about. Right? Or maybe not. Maybe just one person was like kind of glanced at it. Well, there's I mean, other things like in The Rescuers. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, There was an animator that was pissed apparently and he slid something in and there's he in one of the windows of a building yeah he put a a picture of a naked woman in one of the windows that they're flying by and it exists for literally like two maybe three frames is it still in there uh it's not in any of the re-releases but they they did release i don't remember which which time they released it but they did a re-release that used the original print and then they actually had to recall that print because it, that that naked woman made it in there. And so you could freeze frame it and you could see it. What? And so they, they literally had to recall VHS copies of the rescuers. Oh, man. And that was before screenshots. Like, but somebody has to have a picture of it. Yeah, you can you can find it pretty okay. easily on the Internet. Um, and it's, it's, that. that's a legit one. Like that actually happened. There's screenshot evidence. Yeah. Actual I, recall notices from Disney. That's amazing. I feel like animators do that all the time, though. There's a lot of stories about that. And I, you know, like if you can, if you have the ability to just slip a <laughs> dick in, you're going to do it. Like who's not going to take that opportunity? You know, it's true. I mean, especially <laughs> in an era before home video was a thing. Yeah. Like, 
if if anybody like if your friend came back from a Disney cartoon, yeah, it, you know it's it's nineteen sixty something, and they're like, oh man, I swear I saw this dick in this movie. <laughs> it was it was there and then it was gone. You'd be like, okay, calm down. It's a Disney movie, right? Exactly. There's no dicks in you that. You sick bastard. Yeah. <laughs> We got a little off topic oh, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you talked about the rescuers on all your episodes about Dark Side? Oh, of the every Moon single one. I thought so. <laughs> well, just the dick in it, not the rescuers. There's right. no just, dick in the rescuers. Just the dicks in Disney. I'm, <laughs> shit. I'm going to start a podcast called Dicks, dicks in, Disney. in Disney. There you go. <laughs> Actually, so that's probably a very bad idea because Disney has lawyers and are not afraid to use them. Mm. Oh, that is true. You're going to have to bleep out this whole section. They're like really Shit. litigious, aren't they? They really are. Yeah, which is stupid because they have so much money. Oh, I could talk about this for days. Yeah, they based their whole <laughs> empire on fairy tales and things that they then copyrighted and won't let anyone else use. Uh huh. This is for Ben's next podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we sort of wrap up, um, I do want to know if there were any sort of major disappointments in uh, watching The Wizard of Oz with Odelay as the the soundtrack? For me, it was disappointing. Like once I got past the point uh, of the scenes that actually worked well for me, the tornado scene in particular. That's pretty early on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. No, there were more after that, but that one was just by far right. the best. You it, know, it was the Darylind. best. I mean, I'm going to so, agree with that. Yeah, it was so good. I just was disappointed because I all like, as I said, all I could think about was all the other albums I could choose. And so I was like disappointed with myself, which is a very typical thing for me. Like, God damn it. Why didn't I choose? <laughs> I mean, I was just running through a bunch of other options in my head. So... I just think that the second half of the movie was disappointing for me. Okay. Yeah, I think I was disappointed in Mr. Beck Hansen just as a <laughs> musician that he didn't dedicate himself more to syncing things up correctly. Because there were a few things that just missed right? that would have been really great. And it's not like he couldn't have just shifted some words around in his fucking random ass songs, you know? <laughs> um, no, I thought... It worked pretty well in a lot of ways, and it was kind of what I was expecting. I think it was about what I was expecting, too. I I thought that there would be parts that would be surprisingly on point, but I kind of, I think I kind of expected it not to work that well. (laughs) So. Yeah, I went in with pretty low expectations. So when the cool little things happened, I was pretty excited. Yeah. It was exciting when those moments happened, yeah. And it made, for me, we watched Wizard of Oz not too long ago with our kids, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it that many other times in my life, even. Um, so, Ben, you can't understand this at all, um, <laughs> but it was kind of cool to watch it in a different way. It was really cool. Similar to what I was saying about the listening to the album at the beginning of this episode, I listened more carefully in a way that... I wouldn't be able to do unless I was looking for connections. And I think I was paying more attention to the movie in ways that I haven't in a long time because we all know the story and we know what's going to happen, but you pick up on those little things. It's true. Especially because the number of people I've had on this uh, podcast where 
they are like, oh man, I forgot all about this scene and that mm-hmm. scene, and and you know, I forgot yes. this whole part happens. I thought, you know, I thought basically they get to the Emerald City and it's basically over, and it's like we've still got a whole fucking act at that. Me point. too. Yes. I kept asking. I was like, wait, don't they go to the <laughs> witch's castle or something? Yes. What the hell? I was they're like, gonna Micah, leave? there's so much left. Uh huh. And so a lot of people have had that reaction. And I feel like, yeah, you're right. You know, we we have the Wizard of Oz as sort of this collective cultural experience where it's like, we all know the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. You know, we, we know there's no place like home. We know <laughs> if I only had a brain. We know yeah. ruby Somewhere red slippers. Over the rainbow, yeah. You know, so on and so forth. And then when you actually sit down and watch it and it's like, oh, shit, I forgot, like, 80% of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing about that was, you know, we watched it on mute with subtitles. So some of the things that they said, particularly the song lyrics, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's what they've been fucking saying. <laughs> there's a, there's some part about goblins. Oh, about the, so when the witch died and they're singing about how she's gone to where the goblins go down, oh. down, down. I was like, oh, shit. It's really dark. And I don't think I ever noticed those lyrics before. Since you brought this up, can we talk about why the fuck a woman who is so vulnerable to water has a huge bucket of water sitting in her lair? I love that part. (laughs) What the? That was the worst. Like, I, uh, (laughs) I, I didn't even think about this until a couple of watches ago. Where it's just like, no, she literally just has a bucket of water sitting there. It's just sitting on the railing right there. And it's the thing that she's most vulnerable to, (laughs) apparently. Well, and I never questioned that ever before in my life watching that movie until now. Which also makes me question my own intelligence. Was it just the screenwriters or the director maybe going, we got to wrap this shit up, man? Yeah, just put a bucket of water over there. (laughs) We could, I don't know, maybe she melts with water. Who knows? At the same time, it took all of us into our adulthoods to even <laughs> to question that. That's right. So, exactly. You know, I you know, you could say, oh man, they're just being lazy, but at the same time, if it works, it are they worked. really being lazy? Like Well, and it's not like that's the most ridiculous part of the movie either, if you think about it. So <laughs> Name one thing that's more ridiculous, Jen. Um, there's a scarecrow that doesn't have a brain, but he's still alive and can talk, but he has straw in his head. I got no problem with that. Okay. Yeah, me neither. It's fine. That yeah. horse that changes colors, though? <laughs> Just for one joke. They did that for one joke. <laughs> they killed probably four horses. Oh, my Just God. covering them in paint. <laughs> Jesus. Well, right, this well, got dark. Yeah, it got real dark right at the end for you, Ben. <laughs> you think PETA was on set for that one? No. Thank God for editing. Pretty much guarantee you that PETA was not on set for that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, to, to the other point, though, too, is that, you know, the thing is, when you're just sort of, especially for something you think that you just know really well, like The Wizard of Oz, even when you're watching it, you're not really paying that close of attention to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think maybe the reason why a lot of people, when they have been doing this, are like, oh, shit, like, where did that bucket come from? Why does the scarecrow have a gun? Why, yeah. you know, why is this happening? You know, and I, I think it's it's sort of interesting to, like, first of all, pay that, like, specifically try to pay attention, take everything in all at once 
to see if it works. But then also you're kind of distracted by listening to the album as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it sort of works in this way where the number of things I've noticed, not even just on the first or second episode of this, but I'm still noticing now (laughs) where, you know, my my brain is just going to weird places and (laughs) noticing all of these weird little details that, you know, nobody has ever pointed out to me. Nobody, you know, other people haven't even noticed until I pointed out to them. You're going to know this movie so well. Yeah, you should write a book. I was just thinking that. (laughs) How many more times are you doing this? Or do you know? Um, so it's it's uh, the first season at least is just one more episode. Okay. Um, and then we'll see how much sanity I have left <laughs> to see if I ever want to try this again. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, switch to Die Hard, or you know. <laughs> yep. There we oh, go. Man. Well, the film it really is. It still holds up. It's such a visually arresting film. There's so much going on in every scene. And especially since a lot of it was filmed, or all of it was filmed on a soundstage, and you can Mm -hmm. see the painted backgrounds, there's still so much going on and so many characters, so many choreographed dance numbers. The colors are so saturated and amazing. I was assuming that probably by the fourth episode i would be just totally done with this movie and hate every last inch of it (laughs) but honestly if nothing watching it over and over again has sort of been like wow they did a really good job i mean you know considering home video wasn't a thing yet yeah it was like you go to the movies and you see this and then you know it's it's done Mm mm-hmm the amount of detail that's in this, I mean, you know, watching it in like high def nowadays, like there are a couple of times you can see seams on uh, especially some of the face makeup, um, like where yeah. they attached like the witch's chin or that kind of th- uh, that kind of thing. But honestly, a lot of the details are just phenomenal. I love that that's your response to this, though. Like, that's cool that you're. Like, you're appreciating it more as you go. I thought it was going to be more like... Your eyeballs are bleeding? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I thought... Yeah, I thought by this point, I would be like, fuck the fucking Wizard of fucking Oz. Like, right? Why did I do this? And, you know, it'll probably be a while till I yeah. watch the Wizard of Oz again. But... Oh, yeah. You know, the fact that after all of this, I'm still like, no, actually, it... It's a movie that still really holds up and just, yeah. you know, if nothing else, the the pure production value of it. For a movie made in 1939, I have That's so, amazing. so few complaints about any of the visuals in it. Yeah. yeah, the makeup that you brought up. I am always struck by how amazing the Scarecrow's face looks. Oh, yeah. It matches perfectly with the like burlap that's beneath his chin and it the wrinkles that they oh Mm -hmm. so good it is really good so the uh the only other question that i have for the two of you is that uh, now that we've sort of discussed i mean we didn't we didn't discuss a whole lot of of beck specifically but having having watched it and having sort of discussed what worked and what didn't about this album on a scale uh of Rock in the Catskills from a high one <laughs> where 
One is nobody should ever try this. This was the dumbest idea. Why did you even fucking do this, Ben? <laughs> to a high 10 of rocking the cat skills where literally everybody should go out right now, <laughs> queue up the Wizard of Oz and Odelay by Beck and and do this. Where would you put the uh, uh, this experience? You have to go first. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> well, is the fact that we knew we were doing this podcast with you a factor? I mean, this is sort of a... a if you were talking to a friend and okay. you were like, oh, man, I totally did this thing and, <laughs> and you, you should, should or should not do it. Okay. I would say like a three. I know or four maybe okay it is higher for me personally because we knew I knew we were going to be having this conversation and so and I knew it would be an interesting conversation but just the experience of sitting through the Wizard of Oz set to Odalay I would say let's say three and a half okay let's say four because derelict was so good (laughs) okay I feel like it was worth it. I guess I had really low expectations. I didn't think anything was going to match up and it was just going to be painful to sit for an hour and mm, yeah. 40 minutes or whatever it is. Um, an hour thought, and 41 minutes. I yeah. may know that all too well at this point. <laughs> I had a feeling you might know. You can count your heartbeats and know exactly when it's going to end. I would give it a seven, I think. Okay. Okay. Just because what else are you going to do with an hour and 40 minutes? You know? 41. <laughs> 41 sorry um i did like i have to say by the end i was really excited that there are no credits all the credits are at the beginning right because i was ready to just turn it off and run away Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but the experience at the beginning especially when the things matched up or when there was some cool i don't know i really enjoyed listening to the album that way because i really did hear things that i'd never noticed before you know, okay. because of the rhythm of an album, when you sit down and listen to an album, there are some songs you don't pay as much attention to. And even those I was hearing, like like the sitar and other things that I, probably the first time I listened to the album, I was like, oh, cool. Is that a sitar? This is a different genre or a different type of thing that Beck's doing. But then you just get used to it. Right. You don't listen carefully anymore. Yeah. So I really yeah. enjoyed that. And I can't think of another way that would have held my attention to listen to a whole album that carefully. Okay. What about you, Ben? I think that's a pretty great way to look at it, actually. So for me, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stick right with the title, and I'm gonna give it a high five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Where because I I do feel like there were a lot of like I like I said, he's sort of. I, I say he's doing this like he intended to do this. It's sort <laughs> of like a, a the shotgun approach where it's like with all the random lyrical content, all of the random tonal shifts, all of the random noise, stuff was going to line up eventually. Right. <laughs> and it, it definitely did. There were some pretty great parts that, you know, we we definitely touched on the the sort of overall sound uh, was really great. A lot of that sort of ethereal or sort of noise or samples just constantly coming at you sort of 
underlies the absurdity of doing this and also just <laughs> you know dorothy's in a strange place with scarecrows yeah. who can talk and witches who are throwing fireballs and keeping their weakness right within reach you know <laughs> so i feel like a lot of the tone really worked but at the same time that that same sort of shotgun approach did you know there were a lot of times where it's like oh this is you know, this is kind of garbage. Nothing's really happening here. Yeah. yeah, like when it didn't work, it really didn't work. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that averages out to like right down the middle with a, with a five. Yeah. So. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Well, cool. This has been so fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. If everybody enjoyed having Jen and Micah on the podcast, go check out their podcast uh, why don't you tell us i mean we touched on it a little bit uh but why don't yeah. you tell us more about what your podcast is about and where people can find it if they're interested cool go ahead micah okay <laughs> so jen missed a lot of pop culture and stuff between the years of 1993 and 1996 94 and 96 i'm on the podcast i should know that <laughs> because she was sent to a therapeutic boarding school in Montana. So we're trying to watch all the things she missed and listen to all the albums she missed and watch all the TV shows she missed and talk about them. And we also talk about her experience in Montana. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's kind of a combination of those things. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's interesting because you know, it's just such a, a very narrow and specific time frame to, right. to be hitting yeah. that pop culture. I know. And I thought we would run out of stuff really quickly. But man, we have. Oh, we haven't even watched half of Jim Carrey's output well, during so, that time. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no, yeah. I didn't even didn't even consider 1990s Jim Carrey movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's the peak of his. Uh-huh. No. Hmm. Yeah. Productivity. I don't but know. But so many good albums came out in those years. Yes. I mean. It's it's very yeah so it's it's been a lot of fun it's been therapeutic for me to kind of talk about that experience and laugh about it and view it through the lens of pop culture so yeah come check us out it's called I never saw that oh and you can find us on iTunes or i never saw that.com or wherever else you get podcasts i guess awesome yeah thanks to you both for embarking on this journey with me <laughs> thank you for asking us this was really fun yeah very yeah fun. and i hope everybody at home enjoyed the the 20 minute tangent on dicks in disney um, <laughs> i kind of think that was a pretty strong part of this episode <laughs> i i did not expect to go there but i have zero regrets <laughs> <laughs> oh cool well thank you so much ben yeah thanks again for coming on and uh for everybody listening at home, one more episode coming up, so this will be interesting. And uh, until then, I will see you on the other side of the rainbow. This has been Any Album You Like. I'm your host, Ben Mooney. If you would like to contact me about this or any other episode of the podcast, you can email me at anyalbumyoulike at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at anyalbum. If you liked this episode, consider leaving a review for it on iTunes. If you'd like to support me further, you can also buy me a coffee. The link for that is in the episode notes, 
or you can go directly to ko-fi.com slash Ben Mooney. That's B-E-N-M-O-O-N-E-Y. 